0: Fit and Theater of the Words presents The Reprehensibles: The Fight for Earth's Future, Episode Six. Mike Stracco. Hello, Michael," she said quickly as she looked ahead. "Coming back from work?" he asked with a smile. "As a matter of fact, I'm trying to," she said, motioning her head toward the rally. "Ah, they'll be done soon." "'We knew they were coming out here a long time ago,' he said as he studied her slender face. "'How did you know that?' asked Maria as she caught his blue eyes. "'Just some information we got. Say, Maria, I talked to your mother on the screen today.' "'My mother?' she said as her heart pounded. "'Yeah, she invited me to dinner tonight.' "'Well, uh, that's certainly unexpected,' she said, moving her mouth from side to side. "'I get off duty in 15 minutes. Can you wait?' Oh well, I should be getting home," I, she said. As she, she handed her card to the militiaman at the opening, he inserted it into the computer slot. Are we at El Monte Street A ninety eight T twenty five cleared.' You may go, Miss El Monte," said the militiaman. Then I'll see you later," said Stracco as she passed through the opening. She nodded with a half smile as old feelings were momentarily rekindled, and she stepped onto the street. S 11 and its green neon like modules ran five kilometers into the greeny barrier, and the street's Zambian surface was just beginning to glow. She walked toward the sun, half hidden behind the low hanging, rapidly moving clouds, and passed the adjacent streets. There always seemed to be activity in the streets. Militiamen and two men in carts patrolled the streets on a regular basis. People, as cold as the outside weather, walked by each other, their heads tilted downward. It was quite common and a quite factual belief that people, rather than engage in human dialogue, spend a greater part of their time in conversations with the computers who could provide instant knowledge. Maria quickened her pace toward A98, dodging people who were calling out for food, something unheard of on the outside. The sun was barely visible now in the green haze above her, but there were spectacular breaks in the clouds with actual touches of blue sky. However, the clouds could move in quickly, and rob her of the fleeting beauty. She felt winded as she neared A-98. The street glowed in the bright blue of the modules as she turned right. The modules had blocked out the remaining light of day and heightened the white street, assuming a fairy tale character. Maria's family lived on the third floor module, perhaps a quarter of the way down A-98. She slowed and she came in sight of the module as several men were milling around the outside. She came to a full stop and saw their fur-like garments and realized they were greenies and they had somehow escaped the barrier. Terrified, she turned and ran toward S-11. She called out for the militiamen, but they had completed their rounds and the greenies were getting increasingly closer. S-11 was still some distance away as she heard them yelling in a foreign language in a low, slurring gurgle. We'll all we want, pleaded one of them as they overtook her at the end of A-98, grabbing her from behind. Eat in heaven for days! said another his shiny green skin accentuating his bloodshot eyes foolish you will get it starving we cannot gasped another one as they dragged him to the side of the road i have no food she cried let me go she swung back her arms first one called out exposing his half-rotted teeth liar you are foolish outsiders always have love food Suddenly, without warning, a low-pitched resonating sound repeated several times. A bright, glowing, violent energy sphere shot through the air, striking one of the greenies and hurling him across the Zambian. The others soon relinquished their grip on Maria and ran in opposite directions. Mike Straco, wielding a metal cylinder about the size of a flashlight called a blaster, fired at the fleeting greenies. Another strong burst of energy filled the air, hitting the greenies in the back, and they slid forward onto the street logistics logistics cried stracco into his helmet transmitter this is captain stracco this is captain stracco get a cart down to a-98 continue the patrols A captain we just step up the patrols on a-98 stracco out maria ran up to stracco and held on to him she was shaking almost uncontrollably so all right maria they've been disabled and will be brought back through the barrier you saved my life michael she said speaking into his vest You were lucky, he said as he held her by the shoulders. Colonel Gibbs just happened to let me out early from the rally. What if he didn't? Where's your blaster? I forgot it. I don't carry my blaster, she said as she calmed down. You don't know what's going to happen nowadays, Maria. You should carry your blaster. The patrol car turned around at the corner as they continued. They leave us here on Earth, these lunar elites, Michael, to fight with the greenies. To be force-fed food at their own discretion? To be stuffed into modules? It is what it is, Maria. They call us reprehensible because we're caged. Billions of people caged so the elites can have their control and their way of life. That may all be true, Maria. The carrier blaster. Greeny attack? Asked the driver of the cart as it slowed. Over there! said Straco, as he pointed to the scattered greenies across the Zambia. And Corporal, keep this cart in the area till the next patrol. No, no, yes, sir, said the Corporal as they began the roundup. They began to walk ahead toward her module. Straco watched the greenies being lifted into the cart and thought for a while before he spoke. His food supplies are low. There'd been some problems at the food plant. Sabotage, she asked. What makes you say that? Just a guess she said feeling more at ease greenies will do anything funny production in the habitats couldn't be better figures by the way how was your job same old grind did i tell you i made a grade seven seven beam Straco. that's great maria you must be very happy grade seven michael that means i can work anywhere on the planet becoming the same everywhere believe me cautioned Straco. how would you know she asked as she put her identity card in the computer slot in front of her module. I have my sources, smiled Straco slightly. You and your sources, she said as she pretended to salute him. Stracko smiled broadly at her antics as the computer they called Katie Six spoke to them. Hello, Maria, How is your day? Fine, Katie, I have Michael Stracko with me. Hello, Captain Stracko, please insert your identity card, instructed the computer as he complied. Very good, please step on the mover. They stepped onto the clear circle and sunk into the sparkling green light beneath the street. The mover followed the pathway ahead and up to the third floor of the Almonte module. It opened to a sterile environment with no windows. All four rooms were constructed of a white Zambian and selected indefinite areas. They stepped into the living room a meter box with a kitchenette in the rear. Two sleeping rooms were adjacent to the living room and the cleaning room between them. Straco removed his helmet as the mover closed. "'Maria, you're late,' said Mrs. Almonte from the kitchen, with her back toward them. She was a large woman, too big for her tatted green rascoat. As she turned, she saw them both, and her face lit up. "'And, Michael, it's good to see you two together.' "'We're not together,' said Maria. "'Michael just saved my life.' Her father, listening to the outside conversation, appeared in the cleaning room doorway, wearing a faded turtleneck. "'What's that you say, Maria?' "'Greeny attack, Frank,' said Straco.' Michael, it's good to see you, said Almonte, as he shook the captain's hand. And what is this you say, Greenies here on A-98? I'm afraid so, said Stracco. Almonte grimaced at Maria. I told you to bring my blaster. I understand that, Maria repeated the words before he could say them. We've all been through that, Father. I won't forget it again. And if you'll excuse me, I have to get dressed for tonight. Almonte watched her pass by into the sleeping room he turned to stracco as the door shut you know captain they want to take away the blasters from us then we'll have no defense against the elites or the greenies she's going out with that guy wilson again said Almonte as his wife handed him a cup of super i've seen them on the screen so many times i don't like his type "'He's just too sure of himself,' said Mrs. Almonte from the back as she heated the proto-food she had taken from the conduits in front of the sink. Maria's is usually smarter,' added Almonte as he led Straco to some block-like chairs in the front room. "'And I just don't trust that Wilson. He does like to fool around,' blurted Straco. "'Now how do you know that?' Almonte wanted to know. "'Well, I just assumed that he would. "'Oh!' Look, Frank, I've talked to Maria about Wilson before, as I imagine you have. She's 24 years old, not 10. She'll make up her own mind, for better or for worse. The sleeping room doors opened, and Maria, carrying her wardrobe, walked around and into the cleaning room, oblivious to the talk. She was inside for a few minutes and came out later when the computer sounded. Yes, Katie, what is it? asked Mrs. Almonte. A scan from a Mr. Terence Wilson for Maria. I'll take it in the sleeping room called Maria as she emerged in a shimmering ruby Ross coat and a satin pink turtleneck. Straco arose as she passed into the sleeping room. She certainly looks stunning, he smiled. Why did she get an outfit like that? griped Almonte. She has benefits, Frank, insisted the mother. Food is low and she's spending her benefits on things like that? Continued Almonte as Maria closed the sleeping room doors. The full image of the flamboyant Terrence Wilson, standing in a well-furnished room, stood before her on the screen. He raised his eyebrows as she walked up to the screen, but appeared to be fatigued as he leaned against Oak paneling It's that guy Inspector Glass. I told you about him, Maria. He keeps hounding me from the moon. As a matter of fact, he's calling me back in a few minutes. Can you come over here earlier so we can get out of this place? So if he calls later tonight, we'll be gone. Well, I haven't eaten in... "'Hey, I like that outfit,' she turned around and waddled it fully for him. "'Look, Maria, we got plenty of fresh food over here. Come over now.' "'All right, I'll be there in half an hour.' "'That's my girl,' he said as his image blinked from the screen. In the other room, Mrs. Almonte was finishing up in the kitchenette, bringing bowls of proto-food to the table. She released some water from the distilling tank and added minerals, and then took the cups to the table. "'It's all ready, Frank,' she called to her husband.' Come on over here and sit down," Mike said. Elmonte. He and Stracco had been talking about Maria's cousin Andrew, who was once again late for dinner. "I don't understand," Frank said. Stracco as they sat down. That kid was bound and determined to become a military man. Now he's hooked by these eternity people. He certainly has been," said Mrs. Elmonte as she sat down. Maria, come on. Maria slid open the doors to the sleeping room. Dressed in her new clothes, she came to the table and stood across from Straco. "'You look really great,' said Stracco as he looked into her eyes. "'Thank you, Michael,' she said quickly. "'You're going to eat with us, aren't you?' demanded her mother. "'No, I'm leaving for Terence's right now.' Straco, trying to hide his anger, began to spoon the soup while Frank Almonte shook his head. "'When will you be back?' her father wanted to know. "'Tomorrow, I guess.' she said as she looked back to the other sleeping room. Andrew's late again. Yes, he's late, said Almonte loudly as the computer sounded. Yes, Katie, answered Mrs. Almonte. Andrew is at the mover. Oh, of course, let him in. We've been waiting for him, shouted Almonte. Moments later, the blonde-haired Andrew walked up the mover and raised his hands to his forehead. They were all silent to this eternal, transformed young man looking over at them. "'Praise be to the Eternal One, the Compassionate, the Foreseer,' he said, opening his eyes wider as he smiled. "'Where the hell have you been?' blasted Almonte. "'I have been with eternity, Uncle, and I always will be.' Andrew, are you all right?' asked Maria as she ran over to him and hugged him. She, being older than he was, felt a strong responsibility for this man who had lost both his parents.' We are balanced with eternity, cousin, he said, raising his hands once more. See what? asked Straco curiously. See the signs, of course, the day is coming, the time is near. The second coming of eternity is drawing close, my friend. All right, cried Elmwante, who had had enough. Andrew, go use the cleaner and come out to dinner. No, wait a minute, Frank, said Straco as he rose and walked over to Andrew. What makes you believe a thing like that? i see crowded trillions as eternity has seen them long ago the eternal foreseer has felt famine and starvation the sky grows dark and the air is cold the time is near when we will see eternity again oh i almost forgot said maria as she ran into the sleeping room i can accompany her to the transit way volunteered Straco. good i appreciate that Said Mrs. Almonte as Maria came into the room holding a blaster, a smaller version of the militiaman's weapon. I've got it, and Mike has said he'll bring you to the transitway. I don't want him to have to go out of his way, she said as she looked over at Straco. No, I have to go that way, he said as he grabbed his helmet. Goodbye, said Maria. Katie, open the mover. Stracco went over to Almonte and shook his hand as the green light from the mover flickered on the walls. Frank, nice to see you again. And thank you for dinner. I only wish I had stayed to finish it. Anytime, Michael, anytime, she said, holding on to his hand. Straco walked briefly into the mover and the wall closed. You take this for granted, you know that? Asked Straco as the mover headed for the street. Did it ever occur to you that I have a plan to become an elite? Quite the opposite. Humans should not be controlled by other humans. It's possible... Change all that? What, by dating an elite gigolo? That's enough. You talk a good game, Maria, saying you want change for the reprehensible. I think that's just a cover. Think what you want, Michael. I know what I want, and I'll get it. Oh, you'll get it, said Straco as he raised his brows. What's that supposed to mean? You'll have to decide that answer for yourself, Maria. Look, Michael, she said as they walked on the street. I've lived in these modules all my life. I didn't think you were like my parents. No ambitions. Letting life slap them in the face while they sit by and do nothing. Well, that's not for me. Do nothing? <laughs> Laughed Straco. That's a good one for you to say. They've worked for their benefits their whole life and shared them with you. They provided for you, Maria. It's all about control, Michael. Control of humans, control of resources. And then they throw computers, nice computers like Katie, in all the modules. And they pipe proto-food into everybody's home. Everybody has enough of that sludge. And then they add Supron on top of it to dull the senses. Is that what you call living, Michael? Maria was quiet for some time as the green light of S11 soon shined on their faces. Gee, I'm cold, she said, tightening up her rascal. You have a thermal covering. Why didn't you wear it? It's old and worn. I don't want to ruin my outfit. She, well, Wilson couldn't stand for that. How long is he back this time? Two weeks. Imagine that, said Straco, who was getting bored with her babbling. It'll be one year this week since I met him. Imagine a habitat supervisor and a grade four outsider. Grade seven, said Straco. Oh, of course he was. I heard the story, he said, as he stopped with the terminal in sight. Maria, I won't add anything else about what I think of Wilson. She said you hardly ever see the guy, but you'd be willing to plan your whole life around him. It seems to me that somebody else wanted me to do that, she said as she walked ahead of him. Frustrated, Straco stood in place for a few seconds and then ran up to her, but she just stared at him and walked away. Come on, Maria, why don't you listen to me before you go? You're just jealous, she said as she stopped. Maria, he began, exposing his teeth as he talked to her. You and I, were brought up together. We're outsiders. We know what it takes to survive. That habitat isn't our world. They don't have the same background and feelings about the world as we do. They're all pampered. They call us reprehensibles. I don't want to see you have that world in your grasp, only to lose it. I'm not going to lose that world, Michael. I'm going to use it. She inserted her card, checked with the militiamen, and went inside. Stracko was infuriated. He turned and kicked the Zambian. It was not so much that he couldn't have her, but he feared she was making a grave mistake. Mike, said a voice from behind. Straco turned around and saw two of his fellow militiamen, Jeff Maxwell and Scott Aber. They were only lieutenants. Jeff, Scotty, what are you doing here? Is she going to see Wilson? Asked Maxwell. Yep. Tried to talk her out of it, but she's blinded by this guy. I'll wager two days benefits that she comes back before Wilson leaves, said Abair. Come on, Scotty. All you do is wager benefits. Can't you see Mike's upset? Never mind me. What are you guys going to do down here? Gibbs wants us down at the armory. I think he has another IGU assignment for us, said Maxwell. Join us next week for another exciting episode of The Reprehensibles, The Fight for Earth's Future by Robert P. Fitton, presented by Fitton Theatre of the Word.